This podcast is part of the Craftology Radio Network. Visit craftologyradio.com to learn more. Good evening, craft beer. My name is Donnie, and this is The Fandalorian. You must reunite it with its own kind. You expect me to search the galaxy for the home of this creature? This is the way. Chapter 11, The Heiress. Though it was only 35 minutes, man, was it a great uh, part of this series. I I feel like much like season one, they basically are are setting the stage with some big epic scenes and really awesome set pieces, and then they'll build some backstory. Um, As I mentioned in the first one, I know that Joe and I are kind of kicking back and forth with these things, and we've got a couple plans for you guys, so if you're enjoying this stuff, please uh, do continue to listen, throw us a review or a, a comment, and make sure that you also... Uh, reach out to us on our Facebook group, Craft Brews and Geek News. That way you can stay part of the conversation. Uh, We're really enjoying this so far, and we're just having an absolute blast. So we hope you guys are enjoying it too. But um, what we do in these segments here is we'll talk about the most recent episode of The Mandalorian. In this example, Chapter 11, The Heiress, um, the third episode of Season 2. And man, like I said, it was just a good one. I love everything about this this episode. I really do. Even the fact that it was so short. There was so much packed into it and so much exposition that took place without really forcing it down your throat. So in my opinion, those episodes are the best. If you're a deep, deep Star Wars fan like I am, you'll pick up so many things that happen, so many Easter eggs and little bits of nods of, of really not even Easter eggs, more of like lore and just world building. Um, they did it in a way that didn't force it down your throat again. You didn't feel like somebody was telling it to you, but these little nods and little hints and the way that characters acted, and, and you could just really just see this rich history and this background. So um, I absolutely loved it. Now, we will talk spoilers later in the episode, but again, I'm going to try and give a, a non-spoiler review of what I think this means for the rest of the series um, and, and how this episode really you know impacted me. Um, again, we've seen just about everything that I think we will have seen from the trailers at this point. So obviously, you know, from the story, they have to go to this, you know, uh, water planet where um, th- things are, you know, you see Mon Cal, you've seen some uh, some Quarians uh, there, that the, the fish guy, like the, with the like Davy Jones kind of squid face. You know, we saw all that in the trailer. But when you actually get to this planet, it's really cool and everything fits the mold. So I w- again, I won't go into many details, but... When you look around the environment, you see the the places they're in. It's everything looks like it'd be a giant fish world where just fish people running around. I mean, it, it was just wonderful. It, it was pretty cool. The stuff on the seas, you know, again we saw it from the trailer. Pretty interesting stuff. It builds up a little bit of story. Not. Uh, it also opens a, a few, you know, kind of mystery box. What the hell kind of was that? Questions, but um, doesn't really matter at this point as it doesn't distract distract too much from the story. Um, the beauty is that there is a lot that takes place in this episode, and I think it's really going to set up... I don't even know if it's going to be the next episode or the remainder of the series, but we, we kind of know where we got to go now, um, and that's interesting. So um, I really did like it, and um, and I'll, I'll try to um, to make this short. But overall, I think this set the tone for, again, a great degree of world building for folks that may not be up to, to snuff on where things are, or who did what, or what the legacy Star Wars kind of stuff is. So this did a really good job of, of setting the stage and kind of giving us some clarity to move forward. Uh, really like this episode. Again, check it out. I, I don't know if it's one of my favorites, but because of the amount of lore and backstory and, and the, the action pieces were fantastic, it's up there. It, it's really up there uh, pretty high. Now, this is no Boba Fett drop, uh, but by all means, there is a, a, an unusual and, and 
I wouldn't say unusual. Again, it's it's all built into it. But I'll, I'll save it for the uh, for the spoiler piece of it because this friend that we meet is significant. So yeah. So at this stage, we'll um, we'll go into the spoiler territory. So again, if you don't want to see anything, you don't want to hear anything, you know, please cover your ears now or go watch the episode and come back. Um, but this will be spoilers from here on out. Okay. Third time, like we always say, here come the spoilers. All right. So. The, the opening shot of this episode is is pretty uh, significant in terms of it. It's basically the Razor Crest upside down cresting a planet, um, as you can see this blue orb in the in the you know forefront. Um, obviously, that's the planet Trisk we're going to, and that's the water planet that we've seen on the you know the trailers and everything else. And this is where where Frog Lady needs to go meet her mate. I'm assuming his name is Frog Man. As we kind of get into the atmosphere, now keep in mind, Mado's ship was beat up so bad that only the cockpit was was habitable for human life or for any life. Um, and they, they rode that way all the way uh, to this planet. So um, ship's in bad bad condition. And um, as it, cr- it crashes through the atmosphere, you see a Mon Cal kind of standing on this dock, just watching this with a little bit of a skeptical look in his face. Um, it's pretty comical because as he touches down, uh, you know, the Mando never gets a break. He basically uh, touches the pad and then immediately falls into the uh, the sea, which is right next to the pad. So um, pretty hilarious, but uh, it's cool in the background. You see a little Easter egg of an ATAT class something. I'm not sure what this is. It's basically a crane or a helper, um, something that, uh, or excuse me, Wikipedia hasn't even been updated to say what these things are, but I know it could be any number of ATAT, ATST, ATOT, ATR, ATAR, ATRT, ATTE, or the ATAP. Um, so many different variants of this thing, uh, but I really do think it's going to be one of those, obviously, that is more of a, a commercial grade rather than a, a huge walker meant for, for the battlefront. So that'll be interesting to see that little bit of lore as it gets uncovered. But um, you also see a bunch of corn and a bunch of Mon Cal on that same you know landing area as they're kind of getting picked back up out of the sea and placed back on the pad. Um, the interesting thing about that is that Deborah Wilson, Mad TV star, she's also been in Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Um, she joined the cast as Tara Ration, which is a, a power-hungry Quarren in the new game called uh, Tales from Galaxy's Edge, which is coming out on VR. So they're really kind of introducing you to this species pretty abruptly. I, I'm thinking in advance of that game because that game comes out on November 19th, which is right around the corner. Either way, you can tell these guys are either pirates, um, they're they're dock workers, they seem pretty male-mannered at first, but if that little tease about how the pirate's going to show up in the VR game, Tales of Galaxy's Edge, this kind of clues you into what's going on as the episode unfolds. So, you covered that, Frog Lady meets Frog Man, that's great. Um, and then you see the, that, that sultry observer with a hood on um, in the background. Now, she we don't know who she is yet, but she comes right back up. Um, they pop into a bar again, another uh, cantina, and this one is again a Mon Cal one with uh, Quarrens and Mon Cal's in there, and it's just crazy because everything looks like it would if there was a real fish people world. Um, it's pretty cool. Uh, they move on past that after Baby Yoda has an episode with little baby squid or something that was in his chowder. By the way, they have chowder guns from the ceiling. That's awesome. I want that in my house. Chowder gun, thank you. Um, but then they go ahead and leave, and they're they're embarking on this big, massive ship. It looks like a shrimping ship. Um, it's kind of got some skids in the side and kind of like a big hold in the middle that you you would assume is where they put you know their catch. 
turns out it's a giant monster. And just as they're looking over into that giant monster pit in the center of the ship, uh, one of the Quarrens kicked baby Yoda in, and a massive fanged figure grabs the bassinet and baby Yoda and uh, takes him underwater. Uh, it was very close or very reminiscent to uh, Jabba's palace and the gate um, that they had where Luke fell down and had to uh, you know, fight that big monster uh, there from Return of the Jedi. So it really brought me back, and I, I really enjoyed that one. Um, Mando jumps in after the baby, and of course, while he's drowning, these guys are up there uh, poking him with his swords and trying to get him off the, the chain, the fence there, and all of a sudden, you know, three Mandalorians show up. Um, of course, they make short work of the Corns, and they are badass. They, they can handle themselves, they are taking them out, they are really just doing their work, and, um, and it was really pretty interesting to see them fight, but man, some of these helmets started to immediately trigger. I've seen that emblem before, I've seen this these color schemes before, you know, this started to get really familiar very quickly. Um, the battle's over, and they uh, talk to Din, Din who's dry, drowning, and um, they, they eventually get him out. Um, go down into the pit, grab the baby, bring him back up. Um, pretty interesting stuff. Um, they eventually take off their helmets, uh, which, again, out of the Mando code. Um, and Mando makes a comment about that, but, you know... The new bounty hunter, or excuse me, the new Mandalorians we just were introduced to fire back and say that, you know, technically Mando is part of a religious cult, and that's not really what the culture of Mandalore was. First time we heard that, and, and it makes more sense now that, you know, they had this big cannot remove helmet thing, but all the way up here for the series, you could. So does it impact uh, Din and how we, we move forward with this? I'm not sure, but I'm interested to see. Um, either way, we find out that it's Bo-Katan. Uh, Bo-Katan is so deep into Mandalorian culture and the history of Mandalore. It's incredible. If you're not sure what I'm talking about, go back and watch season five, season six. It's one of the later seasons in um, Star Wars Rebels, but it's really a, a pretty good one. And, and I believe she even shows up in the Clone Wars. But anyways, Bo is a dual-wielding Mandalorian human female. Who, she was the, the leader of the Night Owls, which was a, uh, uh, a group on the Imperial era that was basically uh, set up on Mandalore, um, and, and they were part of the Mandalorian culture very, very deeply and richly, from a family standpoint. Um, she actually, as part of the Night Owls, was a lieutenant in a Death Watch, which is a terrorist group um, that was uh, came out during the Imperial era as well. Um, but during the Clone Wars, uh, Bo-Katan cries her, her sister, Satine, ruled as the Duchess of Mandalore. And so she, she fought you know, she didn't really appreciate the pacifist kind of ways that her her sister taught or led Mandalore. She she thought Mandalore should have more of a brutal kind of martial history, and she wanted to um, keep that alive. So there were some battles there, and it was it was pretty cool. And Obi Wan Kenobi was involved at one point. Um, the, the the leader of the Death Watch eventually, you know, was exposed as being one of the inner leaders of Mandalore, and he was exiled in nineteen BBY Battle Four. You know, Yavin the uh, the new leader, so Cries and Visla, basically discovered that Lord Sith Maul <laughs> at the time, and now he's a Sith Lord, you know, Maul. Darth Maul was in bed with Savage Opress, um, who, you know, part of the Sith, wanted to reclaim Mandalore. Um, it was pretty critical because, you know, Maul, so now is tied to Bo Katan, who is now tied to the Mandalorian, which is, again, really cool. Um, but basically all that kind of like fizzled out again with the Clone Wars, with Obi-Wan Kenobi, with all the troopers and all those stories that took place. Um, the, you know, Vizsla took over the planet. Satine was basically not, you know, ruling anymore. So 
Uh, all this to be said, Bo-Katan is deeply connected um, to the universe, to Mandalore, and the Darksaber. I believe she even held it for a time um, over the, uh, the period near the end of the Clone Wars. So, great name for the title, uh, the heiress. Obviously, that is referencing Bo-Katan being the heiress of Mandalore. So, um, we'll get into more of that in a second. But um, the actress, actually, is, is also spot on. She looks exactly like the cartoon version. Um, and she's, she's the actress from the, uh, the Netflix show Another Life. Um, pretty cool stuff. I enjoyed seeing her on there, and uh, I'm sure we'll enjoy seeing her here. She was good on that show, and she's already been awesome as Bo-Katan, so um, let's see. But anyways, after they, uh, they break all this out, they blow up the freighter, they, um, they you know, kind of go their separate ways. They, they do you know, get back to Mando eventually, as he's kind of being uh, attacked or, I guess, surprise attacked on the pier when he gets back obviously the the quarons are pissed off that he killed everybody and <laughs> and uh and wrecked his ship but the mandos do come back and relieve them that uh, they, hey they actually did it so another fight breaks out and these mandalorians again just just take 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 these guys to town <laughs> so um so they uh they start to talk to Mando about the plan they're trying to hatch, which is essentially they need to um get some thing on a transport, an imperial freighter uh that's about to leave the system. Uh, they need Mando to help. So that's what the plan is, and Mando leaves Baby Yoda with the frog people. Which makes me nervous because <laughs> he ate a whole bunch of her eggs before and now they're beginning to hatch. So, anyways, that's where Baby Yoda is with the frog people. But the good news is it looks like the eggs were fertilized and her species will survive. So good for you, frog lady. Anyways, they head over to the uh, freighter and uh, as it's taking off in low orbit, they jetpack up and break in. Take out a couple of uh, stormtroopers, which is fantastic. And then we meet a, a confident Imperial captain paid by, uh, played by Titus Wellever. He, uh, he's like that really stone-faced kind of action guy. You've seen him, you know, in a million movies, but you probably never knew his name. <laughs> but, um, yeah, really cool uh, persona for the uh, Imperial Guard, or excuse me, Imperial Captain, and I just absolutely love that. So, um, in fact, after you meet him, there's a little Easter egg of a Podracer kind of startup noise that you hear, like right when the door closes. So it's very cool, but I love how they threw that in there just to simulate some sort of, you know, noise for a door on a ship like this. It's just really cool. I love it. Um, anyways, the Mandos fight all the way through the freighter until they get into the uh, cargo control area, and there's an unnamed uh, Imperial captain there who's obviously very scared and very concerned, but... There's a, a joke about closing doors. Um, eventually, he realizes that uh, uh, the door he just closed locked them into the cargo hold, and the controls the cargo hold over the Mandalorians is. So I won't spoil that one for you, but it's it's pretty hilarious. So Bo states that uh, once they're in that cargo area, that she's seeking something. I went ahead and guessed it was the dark saber, but obviously a little bit down the line, we hear it, it certainly is. So that is confirmed. She's seeking the dark saber and making moves to take the ship. Um, it's funny because she explains all this to Mando and then drops a sick, this is the way, as he doesn't really want to uh, to, to do this. So he's like, I bet off more than my, I can chew and, and, or more than you promised. And she said, well, this is the way uh, right in his face. And that was that was pretty good. Um, anyways, they continue to progress. And uh, the Imperial captain played by Titus uh, locks the bridge. They step in to uh, try and make their final stand against these stormtroopers that are basically pinning them down. Mando steps into fire, and man, that Beskar pays off yet again. He takes, I don't know how many shots, right to the chest, but he eventually makes it far enough where he can throw a couple grenades into the uh, the bridge area there and actually get the stormtroopers that were shooting at him. So, again, pretty capable. And that Beskar, man, you really, really can't, can't beat it. Um, 
Anyways, they break into the uh, to the bridge eventually. Uh, they kind of try to interrogate the captain who bites on something like cyanide, but he eventually goes down. And now they realize that they have to run and, and plot a jump to a hyperspace to, to escape because there's been a, a security call put out. Mando, Mando stops them and essentially says, listen, I can't leave. I've got to do, you know, I've got to get my, my baby Yoda, but essentially, you know, where do I go? Um, this is where Bo really does the exposition without saying it because she immediately knows precisely where to tell him to go. And she tells him to go to a town on the planet Corvus uh, to find Ahsoka Tano. So, wow, that was the big brain, you know, explosion. Ahsoka Tano is now in the story and she's coming very, very soon. So, you know, at this point, my head went, okay, is she going to be in the next episode? Is she going to be kind of the end of the season where that he finally gets there after trying to because this whole time he didn't know where he was going and now he does? Um, so that makes, makes me think, man, is, is it really going to, to become you know, the focus of that finding Ahsoka, finding Ahsoka. And the funny thing is, as we all know from, you know, lore, when he finds Ahsoka, she will tell him she is not a Jedi. At this stage in the game, she is discerned from the Jedi Order, and she is now, you know, kind of a gray Jedi, if you will, but she is no longer what she considered um, a, a Jedi. So uh, this will be really interesting, but it, it's funny because her and Bo have history, um, and I'll get into that in a second. But um, yeah, there, there is no planet called Corvus in the Star Wars canon, at least not yet. So um, I'm interested to see where he goes. Now, that does come up, and actually in, in uh, Battlefront II, uh, the Corvus was a mid-sized Raider II-class Corvette originally used by the Emperor in the, in the Galactic Civil War. So it was um, a commando unit led by none other than Commander Iden Versio. Again, Battlefront II. Uh, really cool they brought in a game thing if they're bringing it in or if it's just a name or whatever but the lore again the lore heads can just kind of go nuts um of course after the emperor fell Iden versio uh, joined the new republic and the corvus went with her so uh, who knows but eventually that ship got captured by the first order and again this just brings all this story stuff into it it's such a broad when we talk about world building and making it bigger than it is this is it you're bringing in stuff from the game stuff from the new order stuff from you know old clone wars mandalore like this cult all that stuff is the world building that i love that they're doing now without directly saying it's exposition so again hats off absolutely love this um it's worth noting that it's worth noting that corvus has only shown up in the game nowhere else um and it really can't play a role <laughs> in the mandalorian because that was not timeline correct but um you know things like the crate dragon from season two were taken right out of right out of uh, Knights of the Old Republic. So like this could happen, or, or things are happening like this, and I, I love it. So, um, anyways, um, the part of Bo-Katan and Ahsoka, you know, after the Death Watch fell, uh, Bo-Katan and, and a, a few others uh, traveled to Coruscant and actually went to find Ahsoka to unite them against their common enemy, Darth Maul. So again, it gets such a crazy uh, spin and whirlwind of this this lore and what all kind of makes sense and where it was in the story. But um, yeah, I just love it. So that really brought us to the end of it. Um, after that, Mando gets his ship repaired poorly and uh, Baby Yoda gets a nice tasty snack. Uh, but again, even the way that the, that the Mound Cow repaired his ship with nets and fishing wire, what it looked like, and, and pieces of foam or cardboard, it just looked like a fishing village would do that. Um, so, uh, so yeah, with that new repairs in tow, uh, they head off to, uh, to find Corvus or, or what, whatever that may be now, um, and Ahsoka. So very exciting stuff, but 
Um, but again, I think that I've, I've kind of laid out the vision of where I think this might go throughout this kind of review, but hope you guys really enjoyed it. I hope that you do tap into our Facebook group, Craft Brews and Geek News, and learn a little bit more, or at least engage us with dialogue. If you haven't seen the episode, I hope you enjoyed this. If you have seen the episode, or or maybe you've watched it once, but you just wanted to think through some lore and some, some Easter eggs, I hope I provided you with some thought starters there. I'm sure there's much, much more that I did not catch in this, but as we always say, I do appreciate you guys. Um, you know, good luck out there. Hope you really enjoyed this episode as I did. And we'll see you next time here on The Fandalorian. You've been listening to the official podcast of the Brewmasters Club, Craft Brews and Geek News. Grab a beer with the guys and be sure to subscribe to catch additional content. Add this podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. Chat with the guys on Twitter at Brewmasters Club and Facebook and online at www.brewmasters.club. Cheers! This podcast is part of the Craftology Radio Network. Listen, we get the Craft Brews and Geek News show is way better than it ought to be. If you'd like to learn more about other shows that we have on our network, please subscribe to the Craft Brews and Geek News podcast. Visit craftologyradio.com to learn more.